Y'all doing well? Good. Well, hey, listen, uh, I am so excited to be here with you tonight. And if you've noticed, there's a lot of work to be done in this series. And so I want to jump in really fast, get right into God's word, get right into the message tonight. But first, I just want to pray for just a second. Because what you have to realize here is what we're doing is we are helping you and God is helping us fight the war for our minds. And you've got to believe that there's an enemy who doesn't want us to get freedom, that doesn't want us to move forward in all that God has for us. So I just want to bring this moment to God. I want to consecrate it to him. And I'm going to ask that he completely is just with us at this time. That all distraction, everything that you're going through in your life, for just a minute, peace would reign and we would be present here. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for all that you're doing. We thank you for who you are. But Lord, I just, right now, you are powerful king. And Lord, you are supreme king over this moment. And so God, I ask that your presence be with us, that our minds and hearts would be attentive to your word, so that we could have transformation in our lives in freedom. But Lord, not just so that we may be free, but so that we could tell others about the freedom that we have walked in and experienced in your life. Holy Spirit, Please be present in each of us and in this moment. Would you just guard our hearts and our minds right now? Lord, we turn our heart and attention to you, eagerly awaiting the work that your word can do. And so, God, I ask that you be with us this night in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 You know what I mean? Um, amen really means. It means truly. Like, let it, let it be so. Right? That's what that means. It's like period, as Brandy would say. Period. Right? Like, that's what it is. And so let it be true. Um, and so tonight, I, I was kind of thinking about, is everyone wondering why you got one of these? Who thought you'd make money when you came to church? I'm just kidding. Like, uh, but tonight, I promise that there's a point to that. But, you know, as I was thinking about the message this week and, and where we're going to be, if you have a Bible with you, we're going to hunker down in the book of Philippians. Uh, if not, don't worry. The words will be right on the screen for you. But I was thinking about when Kelsey and I were beginning to look at moving when we lived here in Sarasota. And we were kind of looking at different areas on where to go. And how many of you know about Zillow? Right? Like, I get nervous because when Kelsey and I get bored, sometimes we go to Zillow. Right? And when you're house shopping, that's expensive shopping and maybe not be the best place. I'd rather just go to Amazon. But when you go to Zillow and you're trying to figure out, like, when you need a change, when you need a, to move in your life, you got to go into Zillow. And, and if you've noticed, like, there are tons and tons of houses and properties and land and all of these things and in order to really narrow down where you really need to be in this life, that neighborhood that you need to be in, you have to put some filters in, right? So we, we put our filters in. We put the price range in, number of bedrooms, number of bathrooms, square foot that we're looking at. If you want a pool, right, if, if you want a certain school, if you want to be in a certain school district, you start putting in all of these different filters. And what begins to happen is, is when you do that, neighborhoods and zip codes and all of these things begin to pop up. And the beauty of it is when you put the filters in, it narrows down where you actually need to be. And tonight, we're going to be looking at this idea that our thoughts are the filters that we put in that will tell us what neighborhood we're going to be in. That when, when we begin to think through this life and we begin to process our thoughts, we begin to really narrow down where we're going to live. And so I just, I just want to start tonight by asking, and maybe you need to ask the question, where are you living? Like, where are you spending time mentally? 
Where, where, like, does anyone in here need a change? Does anyone in here need to move? Does anyone need to get on the Zillow of our mind and our heart, start putting some filters in, and then begin to make a move to a new neighborhood? And so tonight we're going to look at the filter process. We're going to begin to look at like, how do we actually begin to make the move? How do we actually begin this process of moving where God wants us to be to experience the most freedom as possible? So last week we talked about, if you weren't here, we talked about that the very first thing, if we're going to find freedom mentally, if we're going to make it through the mess of life, we have to be connected to the one who gives truth and can make order from chaos. His name is God. His name is Jesus Christ. And what we talked about last week was if you're really going to believe the truth about who you are, you really have to believe the truth of who God is. If we don't have that right, you can go to all the neighborhoods you want to go to, but all the junk's coming with you. Right? Some of us are moving from thought to thought and place to place in our mind and heart, but we're taking all this garbage with us. And then you wonder why when you get to this place that's the promised land, why all of a sudden it stinks like trash. Well, you just brought it with you. And see, we need to begin to not only ignore bad thoughts, we need to begin to heal them. See, because if we don't heal them, they're always in there. Have any of you ever, like, been in a moment where you are trying to figure out, like, what a word is? And you're like, I just can't think of it. Like, your brain, it actually feels like it's static, right? Like, you're, like, brain dead, basically. And then there's, like, a week later, and you're talking to somebody, and you're like, Claritin! <laughs> this is what I was thinking about, Claritin! And they're like, what? And you're like, a week ago. I couldn't figure that out. Do you know that if you have negative thoughts that you don't deal with, they, they run in the background? And they'll pop up at the most inopportune times, right? Like when you're talking to someone and you scream, Claritin! And they're like, you're weird. And you're like, I don't know what's happening, right? Like, that's weird to me. And you're like, I know. It had nothing to do with it. But in the back of my mind, in, in the computer of what my mind is going on, it's been looking for that the whole time. And if we don't deal with this, some of you are running around in life and you're wondering why life is slow right now because you have all these negative thoughts running in the background. And you might not even be conscious to those things. And so what we want to do is we want to bring them up to the surface and we don't want to go, oh, that's scary. Let's get this back down here. We want to go, you know what? What's concealed can't be healed, so this needs to come out, and I'm going to start speaking the truth and figuring out how to deal with this. That's what tonight is all about. Tonight is how do we begin to deal with the negative thought and actually begin to move. Now, in the next few weeks, we'll talk about how do we build positive thoughts? How do we do this battle? How do we actually get through all of this? But we have to start at the beginning, and we have to begin to deal with the mess. And here's why tonight is really so important. Here's what tonight's going to do for every single one of us. It's going to accomplish two things. See, tonight is really prescriptive. What do I mean by that? This is what you need to get better. This is the medicine from God to help you begin to engage the thoughts that you have. And let me just tell you something. Too many of us are living in a, we're a consumer Christian. And what I mean by that is we just want to sit back and let God do the work when God has always asked us to participate in the work. So many of us just want to come in here and get healed, but we don't want to fight for healing. We don't want to participate with God in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's called the helper, not just the doer. You realize that? 
He's the helper. He's here to help you, but you got to do some of this. And so tonight's going to be theological, but it's going to be practical. I'm going to give you six steps in how to walk through this, this time in our life and how we can begin to engage our minds. So it's prescriptive. This is the medicine that we need to start fighting this. And can I just tell you something? You're never supposed to fight this battle alone. And we talked about this last week. If you need to go see a counselor, shame is off of that. If you need medicine to help jumpstart you, to get you going where you need to go, shame is off of that. Okay, we're not doing this weak Christianity anymore that is like, oh, you're weak if you can't do this. That's BS. And I'm so sick of hearing that. I'm so sick of Christianity like that. Because what we're going to see is tonight when we don't actually deal with negative thoughts and you don't believe the truth that you're telling to those thoughts, it's called cognitive dissonance. And what happens there is your brain actually gets brain damage. And I believe the church has been having people leave here with brain damage far too often than they have had people healed. So we're not running from this. We're not hiding from this. We're not going to push this under the rug, and we're not going to act like everything's perfect. This is a real church with real people really about healing and really about God. Because let me just tell you, if David showed up in our church like he does in some of the Psalms, some of us would tell him, you just don't got the faith, bro. David is referred to after a man after God's own heart. The Psalms are in the scriptures as a model for us. And so can we just like, can we just kind of get over ourselves and get over all the stigmas and get over all of these things that the enemy brings in that are hurdles to your healing, and can we just get to business? Because some of us in this room desperately need to move. And you're hanging on to your faith by a thread. You're just living in the wrong neighborhood. And so it's prescriptive. This is what we need to do. But you know what else tonight is? Some of you are like, I don't know why I'm here. God, I already know all this. I'm not doing bad mentally. This will actually be preventative. You know, some of the best things that we can do in our life is get preventative, not just dealing with a mess, not just dealing with the chaos. Let's just never get there in the first place. Let's get some tools and some practicality and some Bible instruction from the God who made our mind. Not just our hearts. And let's get some healing. Let's let's avoid the war. Let's avoid the battle. Let's get ahead of it and let God give us some tools to jump in and begin to help our souls. And so tonight we're going to find ourselves in the book of Philippians. But what is so important about the book of Philippians, you've got to know what's happening here. See, have you ever walked into the movie in the middle of the movie and someone's crying and dying and like the people you thought were together are no longer together and you walk in and you go, what happened? Like, what? what happened in the story? This seems messed up. I wasn't sure about this. Like, Kelsey watches some shows, and I'm like, what happened? Like, what? What? This is crazy. You know what happened is I walked into the middle of the story, and I didn't know what was going on. And so many of us walk into the middle of stories in this book, and we have no idea what's going on. Right? But this book is written to a specific people at a specific time for a specific purpose, and God's telling them a specific thing. Our job is to figure out how what you told them applies to us. And so that's where we're going tonight. So Philippians is this city um, in kind of Southeast Asia near Turkey where all of these people who were kind of retired military from Rome lived. And so 
Paul went there and planted a church there, maybe just like this. I mean, I don't think there was electric lights, but something like this, right? And Paul goes there, and what begins to happen to these believers in Philippi is they start receiving incredible persecution because Paul's teaching of another king than Caesar. See, they all serve King Caesar, and Paul says there's a greater king than Caesar. His name is Jesus Christ, and Caesar will bow to Jesus. And so the church begins to feel persecution. Church, can I just tell you, we may start to experience persecution when we start talking about King Jesus. But thank God, other people have gone through this, and there's a remedy. There's a solution to it. So what's happening in this time is Paul is writing a letter from jail. Whoa, that's a mess. See, Paul is in jail because he's been talking about this new King Jesus. So Paul gets arrested. And Paul writes to the Philippian church from a mess to a mess, but he's got a solution. Because he's got God. See, this isn't Paul's 26 steps to having a joyful life. This is God's prescription to heal people and get you through the mess. And that's why we have to be here. So you have to understand that in this story, this isn't a happy story. This isn't like a clean, perfect, suburban story. This is people being persecuted by Rome Paul in jail writing, and it gets a little bit weird about what he says because it doesn't make sense. See, where's the mess in your life right now? Where are you in prison right now, or where are you being persecuted? Either you're persecuting yourself or the enemy's coming against you, and you're believing all that's happening. See, if, you, if you've ever experienced it, if you're doing it to yourself, if you have all these negative, untrue thoughts about yourself, this book's for you. Because this book wasn't written to perfect people who have perfect lives. Jesus even came, said, I came for the sick and the poor. Can I just tell you something? We're all sick and spiritually poor. He came for us. And so Jesus begins to tell us something in this story. But see, you know what the beautiful thing about chaos and mess is? You really get down to what's most important very quickly. See, chaos, in the chaos, you've got to seek clarity. That's what chaos will do for you. Have you ever been in a, like in a hurricane, right? What do you go buy? Do you go buy a PS5 for the hurricane? You're like, I'm a, I need some video games for this hurricane. We're going to lose power. I, well, I'm going to believe, right? Like, no, you go get water and you go get food and you go get ice and you go get your emergency rations. All of a sudden, all the things that your heart was going after that don't make sense, when you're in chaos, when you're in a mess, you have a really easy time letting go. And can I tell you all something? Maybe the reason you're in a mess right now is not God's punishment. He wants to bring clarity to your life. And maybe for some of us in here, you need to look at the mess and you've been wondering why God would allow this to happen to you. And God says, because I want to show you what's most important. And there's no other mechanism that I know than chaos and mess that will help you drop what's least important. Right? And so that's where we find ourselves tonight. And so what you have to realize is there's a mess going on, and, and, but this mess is meant to clarify and bring clarity to this moment so that we can move forward. So where are your thoughts right now leading you? Where your thoughts go, you will go. 
If you want me to predict your future, just tell me your thoughts, and I'll tell you where you end up. They're going to, because your thoughts will lead to your actions, right? What happens up here makes its way out here. Craig Rochelle said this, your thoughts determine your direction, and your direction determines your destiny. So some of us are trying to fix our destiny by not fixing the source of our problem. See, your problem, my problem, is up here, not out there. We're just playing out our thoughts, and that's what is causing us to engage in this moment and miss out on so much. And so I want you to be encouraged if you find yourself in a mess right now. Paul did too, and Jesus did too. But in that mess, they had extreme clarity about what God was doing. And so we're going to jump right here into Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 5. Let's just see what Paul has to say right here. Remember that this, he's in jail, they're being persecuted, and he's being persecuted. And look at what he says. Rejoice in the Lord always, not just when you're out of jail, not just when you're not persecuted, always. And you say, that's weird. It is weird. I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, or in some translation, your gentleness, be known to everyone. Why? The Lord is at hand. See, so many of us, we look at our mess, we look at our life, we look at all of these things, and we say, there's nothing good in it. There's nothing happening in it. But can I just tell you something? That there's always something redeemable in it because God is moving. God is working. God is at hand. And that for Paul, that was enough for him. He didn't say, be glad you're in jail. Be glad you're persecuting. Like, go look for those things. Some of you are straight up looking to harm yourself in your mind all the time. You're the worst bully there is in your mind. Don't go looking for that. Some of you feel bad about what you've done or what's happened to you, so you think you need to be punished. So you start thinking all of these things that begin to punish you, or you don't move towards things that are good for you because you don't think you deserve it. What Paul says is rejoice, rejoice. I will say it again, rejoice. Why? Because God is moving. God is at hand. See, Paul felt this resistance and experienced it all in this way. But do you know what Paul just did there? What Paul did there is he reframed the problem. So many of us in this room don't need to deny that the problem is there. We need to reframe the problem. See, what happens in church sometimes is we say, hey, there's some negative thoughts in your life. There's some things going on in your life. Just ignore them and bury them underneath the truth. But the problem is those things that are haunting you, those things that are hurting you, they aren't lies. And what happens in your brain is when you try to tell the truth and say, well, no, that's a lie. But your brain calls, that's not true your brain begins to hold on to that. And when you are opposing two things together, science tells us, this is where all this research comes in, you have cognitive dissonance. And if you get, so you have two things that aren't meeting and rubbing together because you're not believing the truth because you know that this is really true over here. And what they're finding is, is that that's causing physical brain damage in your brain. 
physical brain damage is happening in your brain. And when that damage happens, your amygdala, which is right back here in your brain, which is your fight or flight response area, grows because you live under stress constantly and your logical thinking area shrinks physically. So some of you are fighting with a handicap because the part of your brain that can actually help you get to God, because God is logical, yes, you need faith, but he's not just all that mysterious. He tells us a lot of ways to get to him. You can't even access that because you're fighting these lies and these things that are untrue, and all you're trying to do is put a Band-Aid on something rather than actually heal it. And guess what's happening to you? Your brain is being damaged. And that's why I think so many people leave church with brain damage and not healing. Because we as the church have not understood how to properly apply truth. And so we harmed ourselves and we harmed people. And so you may be sitting here and you think, what do I need to do? See, notice what Paul doesn't say. Paul doesn't say, I'm not in jail, I'm free. Paul doesn't say, I'm not being persecuted, this is good. Paul doesn't say, oh, you're not being persecuted, this isn't a big deal. He doesn't say that. Paul admits to us that this is terrible, but he reframes the situation. He reframes our minds to think properly, and he does it over seven times in this book. Let me give you one example. Philippians chapter 1, 12 to 14, right in the beginning, Paul says this, I want you to know, brothers... That what has happened to me, me being in jail, me in prison, he doesn't deny it. He doesn't say any of these things. He says, I'm in jail. But what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Reframe. Oh, what you meant to crush me, God meant me for me to reach my guard. Oh, that's where... That's where this comes in about Joshua. Oh, what man meant for evil, God meant for good. The Bible doesn't say, oh, that wasn't evil. The Bible says, oh, no, that was evil. God's just got a better story for you. See, that's what Paul does here. He reframes it. Verse 13, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment. That seems like backwards logic. How many of us would go, you're in trouble for Jesus? You're in jail for Jesus? I'm so encouraged. I think I'm going to follow Jesus. But that's what happens because Paul reframes the problem. He doesn't deny it. He reframes it. Having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Do you see what Paul just did there? He completely reframed the problem so that we could see things in a new way. Some of us, what we're trying to do, we're not reframing, we're burying. We're saying, oh, I'm in jail. This is awful. This is terrible. This is unbelievable. I'm just going to ignore that, and I'm going to try to find some confidence over here. The Lord wants me to prosper. I'm in jail. What this seems... You haven't reframed. And you know what's happening is those negative thoughts are running in the back of your mind and you're creating brain damage. Do you know what's really great about brain damage though in this way? It can be completely healed. Completely healed. Some of you may be like, man, I've heard about this and I've been thinking this way for a really long time. I must be nearly brain dead. <laughs> Some of y'all didn't get that. I'm worried. Some of y'all didn't laugh. I'm like, uh-oh, that's the people to pray for. No, so... <laughs> 
But here's the thing is that you realize is that you've been dealing with this for so long that you think, I can't get out of this. That's the beauty of the brain in the way that God designed it. It can be completely healed. Doesn't mean you're not going to have to work for it. Doesn't mean you're not going to have to move, but it can happen. And so Paul quickly here says, look, you want to see what's going on in my life? Yeah, this is what's going on, but here's what God's doing. Here's how God's using it. And so I can, I can deal with the problem here because I know what God's doing over here. See, your pain in your life will always be pain until it finds purpose. Pain is going to be pain until it finds purpose. That's just the reality of it. And so can you maybe tonight, that one thing that you're dealing with in your mind that's so negative, your pain, maybe tonight it will find some purpose. Have you ever thought about the pain that you're experiencing Maybe the only way that you ever got to the God who was going to save you? Would some of you look at your problems and your trials differently if you knew that they were the journey to get you to your God? How many people do you know that are morally perfect and living perfectly in their life come to God? Why would you need him? You're perfect. So could a loving God allow us to walk through some bad things because he knows that that's the road that brings us to him? And then what he does is then just say, man, that stinks. That road was really bad. Good luck. God says, it brought you to me. Now I'm going to heal it. Now I'm going to be doing something with it. And so we, we go into this moment in our lives where even these Philippians, do you know what that, that word there that, that meant reasonableness or gentleness? What it meant is, is that you let, let your reasonableness be known to man, Paul says, before he reframes the problem. What it means is when you're provoked, you don't provoke back. When you're harmed, you don't harm back. That's what that word literally means. How do you not harm someone who's harming you back? You reframe the problem. How do you not deal with parents when your teenagers tell you they hate you? And you go, oh, that hurts me. What if you reframed it and said, oh, they don't hate me. They're hurting. What would you do right now if those father wounds that you've dealt with your whole life, where your dad told you you'd never be enough, where he, he hits you, or, or he, he talked down to you, or he wasn't there for you, or maybe your mom, who you could never do enough. It was never okay. It was never those things. And you think about all the ways that those things hurt you, but what if you thought about for a second, that was their hurt leaking out? That was their hurt leaking out. Hmm. Can some of you just get some freedom right now and breathe a little lighter that the people who hurt you were hurting? And guess what? We hurt the people we love the most. And maybe the reason your mom was so hard on you is because she wanted you to help end up in a certain way. So maybe her methods were wrong, but her principles were good. Could you reframe that mom who is nagging over you to do all those things well and go, you know what? She wasn't hurting me. She was just misguided in the way she was applying it to me. I forgive you. Thank you for your heart. Could you just deal with that dad right now or that person who hurts you right now and begin to reframe the problem? You didn't mean to hurt me. You were just so hurting you didn't know how to behave doesn't mean you make excuses for everything, but you release yourself from the burden of things being made right. And you do what, exactly what God says. 
to those who grace has been giving, grace should be extended. How many of you have said things, done things, talked to God, lived a life that if God was to hold it against you and not reframe the problem, you'd be in a world of hurt? I would. Thank God he reframes things. And so we have to get to this point where we begin to reframe because even the people who provoke against us, we don't provoke back. You know it takes two to fight, right? One time with our kids, what I did is, our kids, especially our oldest, she really likes to get the last word. So one time what I did, I said, I need a new strategy because we talk about this for 45 minutes and I'm angry, she's angry, we're wounding each other, this is terrible. And so you know what I just did? I just stopped talking. I just stopped talking. I didn't fight back. I didn't have to get the last word because my pride isn't built upon the fact that my word means more than a seven-year-old's. Some of you are living there. You're in a jail. I need to get the last word. I'm the parent. Okay, just keep wounding each other. Is Is this winning? You sick of your kids yet? You're like, God, I know I'm called to love them, but help me love them. Do you think this is the way it's meant to be built? Some of you needed to always get the word in against mom and dad. You always had to be right, so you felt justified in the way that you acted. What if we reframed all of this? So you know what I just did? I just stopped talking. And you know what happened to my oldest? She freaked out. She was like, talk to me! And I was like... And then she was like... Dad's mad. And then she was like, oh, dad's mad. He's so mad. He's not talking. And you know what's happened? She ran to her room. She wrote me a note and apologized. And you know what began to happen? She went out of fight or flight because you know that's what's happening when you're arguing with your kids. You're in fight or flight. So when you're talking reasonably to your kids and they're in fight and flight, they're never going to think reasonably. It's like talking to a brick wall. Hey, I need you to think reasonably. And they're like, you're cutting my legs off here. And you're like, hey, it's because I love you. And you're like, it doesn't feel loving right now. I'm trying to be reasonable. Let me yell the truth at you so you can hear it. How many of you feel that's very loving? Have you noticed that that's what politics is right now? I'm right. You're wrong. Why don't you get it? Because you're yelling and I feel attacked so I can't think reasonably because I'm stuck in my amygdala and the front of my brain has shut off. I wonder how many people are brain damaged because of CNN and Fox News. And you're like, why can't we all get along? Because we're all surviving. And you know what's not survival's not about getting along. It's about dominating your opponent. And some of you, that is the voice inside your head. And so we have to begin to move forward. So Paul says, look, you want to know how to do this? You not only need to reframe your thought, you need to start communicating. Verses 6 to 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the God of peace, peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. How many of you all need the peace of God to guard your mind and your heart? Anxiety goes away when you communicate. How many of you have sent a text to somebody, like you put it all out on the line? You're like, I love you. 
and there's no response, and you just get the blinking thing like they're typing, and you're like, I love you's not long to type, too. Like, why isn't this coming in? You hurt me, and then it's just that blinking dot, 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 and you're like, oh, why, like, why haven't they responded yet? Like, what is going on? You know the cruelest thing you can do to somebody? You know in your text messages you can send a red receipt? Like, oh, I've read it. I read your message, and you don't respond? Some of you are like, you own my life for the next six weeks. Can you please respond? And you know what happened is they were cooking dinner and forgot to respond to you. Meanwhile, you're living in anxiety and fear, and you can't think logically. You're like, not dinner for me tonight. My friend didn't even tell me if we can meet tomorrow. They read the message. Why wouldn't they reply? What's wrong? What did I do? Oh, my gosh. You ever been there where you tell somebody something and they don't respond back? You're like, why are you mad? You're like, I'm not mad. I'm busy. I'm not mad. You know, my, you know Kelsey makes me send emojis because I'm a short texter. I'm like, okay, no, yeah, maybe, no. Okay, see you there, like real fast, like real fast texture. And sometimes people think, you're mad. No, I'm just busy. I just got to keep going. So I love you enough to communicate with you, but I don't need to be in the burden of your feelings all the time because I'm worried about how you're going to handle everything. Your freedom isn't my responsibility your freedom is your responsibility, and Christ has already purchased it. You just need to realize it. Some of us are walking on eggshells because we're so scared we're going to take everyone's freedom away. What you need to do is help your friends find freedom. And so Paul says, communicate. That's what prayer is. But can I just tell you something? Some of you need to be quiet. This is me too. Long enough while the dots are going to hear from God. Some of you, sometimes God will be slow to answer because he needs to prepare your heart to receive it. Because either the answer that you'll get will spur you on to pride, I'm the best, or it will take you to despair because you weren't ready to receive it. Can anyone testify to that? In this, like, why aren't you talking to me? And God says, I'm being quiet to protect you right now. I'm still here. I haven't gone away. But... I need, you to th I need you to get out of fight or flight. I need you to get into reasonable thinking so that I can help you deal with this. And so Paul says, communicate. Communicate with everything. And, and listen, this is what I want you to do. When you begin to experience these thoughts that are dominating your life, these thoughts that are, are taking over your life, you need to communicate it to God because chaos brings clarity. So just say the feeling, I feel abandoned. I feel anxious. I feel worried. I'm afraid. I'm prideful. Right? It doesn't have to just be bad. I'm happy, and I'm scared that I'm happy. I'm at a mountaintop. Oh, no, that means there's, there's a valley. Some of you, when life goes too good, you're scared of life going good because you're like, what's going to happen? So the enemy's not only going to keep you in the trenches when you're actually down there, he's going to drag you down there in your mind when you're not there. Some of you are living in old battlefields that have been totally destroyed because the enemy can pull you there. So you need to communicate. And here's what I want you to do. See, here's the reality of life. Some of those negative thoughts that you have, guys, I hate to tell you this, they're true. They're true. And you're like, that's not what I wanted to hear, Pastor. Pastor. They're true. 
Just like Paul being in prison was true. Just like their persecution was true. Just like Jesus dying on the cross for the sins of the world is true. Just like the fact that you and I are born sinners and we have a God problem in our life, it's true. And we can't ignore that for just happy thinking because you're getting brain damaged in the process. So what you're going to do is I'm going to tell you two things. When you feel a thought, you're going to say it out loud. God, I feel this. God, I don't feel like you love me. That's a lie. God loves you. So how do you defeat a lie? You tell it the truth. God loves me. Even though my feeling doesn't agree with it, this is what the truth says. But let's say it's like you hear like, I'm a terrible singer. And you're like, don't put that in the atmosphere. It's going to come true. It's already true, okay? Like, I just, can I just be honest with you? Like, it's, you're not a good singer, okay? But you know what? You can reframe that thought. Lord, I may not be a good singer to men, but the words that I sing are a joyful noise to your ears. God, I may not be a good singer, so that just means you've equipped me for something more. Do you see what happened? You, you have to acknowledge the truth. Yeah, I'm not a good singer, God. Can you show me what's next? Can you show me what's more? See, some of you are just living your life completely in the things that you're not, wishing that they were instead of walking in the things that are. And you're wondering why these chains are so heavy. Because you're not walking in the neighborhood that you belong in. You need to move. And God wants to get you where he created you to be, not just gift you for something that you're not. Because other people's gift could be your curse. You realize that? Some of you, if you were the best singer in the world, would be a curse for you because you couldn't handle what happens with that. And so God's not going to give you that because he loves you. And you think he hates you the whole time, and he's saving you from destruction. So you're going to need to communicate and get the peace of God that's out there. And it says the peace of God will enter your heart, which surpasses understanding. This is what that peace is. It's not that God's going to do exactly what I asked for, so I'm all good. What it means is the God who knows you better than you, the God who's able to do everything, is infinitely wisdom, is saying no. So I can trust in the God who does that. That's where faith comes in. And so as this moment where we communicate with God and talk to him about these things and we're reframing these thoughts and we're bringing the truth to God, you and I have to move. We have to begin to move. Listen to what Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9 says. So notice what Paul does. He reframes the problem. He begins to communicate with God about it, talk to God about it. The anxiety which causes fight or flight will go away so you can reasonably think. And then Paul says, now you're ready to move. You're ready to move from the negative thought to the positive truth. The negative lie to the positive truth. Or the negative thought to reframing it to what is actually true. And look at what the Bible says. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence if there is anything worthy of praise, he says what? Think on these things. Man, oh, God might have a word for us in here. He didn't say feel it. He didn't say go to a service and let other people sing about it so you can feel better for a minute. 
think upon these things. The problem is some of us aren't experiencing God because we don't think about him. You think God made your mind by accident? You think that God made deep contemplation and meditation on his word? Joshua chapter 1, I meditate on your word day and night. It does not depart from my lips. It's not like I go to a worship service and have a good feeling but feel bad when I get home. See, some of us are using experiences to put band-aids on things that God wants to heal, that he wants you to meditate upon. Can I just tell you something? We could grow a much bigger church much faster if I didn't say these things. But you would also be suffering and perishing outside of this building. So, we believe in a God who's bigger than that. We believe that we need to be a better church than that. That the world needs a better church than that. That says, yep, some things, they're terrible. Some things, they hurt. Some things are true that are bad about you. That's true. Thank God we serve a better God than that. So you can leave here because this is just the start. When you go out there, that's where life happens. Life doesn't happen here. We may spark freedom in here, but you live in it out there. So we got to be better than that. we got to move to a new location. That's what Paul did. He goes from, here's what it is. I need to reframe it. I'm in a mess and I'm in chaos. I need you to bring clarity by reframing it. And the way I'm going to do that is speak the truth of who you are to it, even if I don't like what it means about me. Then when I do that, I'm going to begin to communicate with you, analyze and think about this thing. Once I do that, I'm free to move to something better. Some of you need to move. Where your, thoughts de- where your thoughts are determine your direction, and your direction determines your destiny. See, some of us need to get on Zillow. We need some new filters. See, the incredible thing that Paul does for us here is he gives us those filters. Paul gives us whatever is noble. That means things are people that are honorable. Think on those things. Whatever is right, Those means things that are holy and good, not liberal and the right. It means right, like what is good. What is pure means what is blameless. There's no blame in that. My heart needs to go there. Whatever is lovely, that means delightful and pleasing. Some of you need to get out of your mess and go to the beach and watch the sunset. Some of the beauty of what God has done for us is put beauty in creation so that when your life is a mess, you can still see beauty. To, to focus on what is lovely or admirable. Admirable are things or people that are praiseworthy. Do you know who is the direct fulfillment of all of these things and the epitome of all of these things? Jesus. So you're having a hard time. You're feeling crazy. You don't know what to do. Your life is a mess. You feel overwhelmed. You feel overcome. You're going to think on what's noble. Jesus. You're going to think about what's right. Jesus. You're going to think about what's pure. Jesus. You're going to think about what is lovely. Jesus. You're going to think about what is admirable or praiseworthy. Jesus. And you're just going to go, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And some of you just don't need to even know the way to reframe it. You go, I am terrible at singing, but Jesus. I am a messed up person and I have terrible things about me, but Jesus. I did some jacked up things in my life that are like taking me to the depths of hell, but Jesus. And you just need to keep running to Jesus all of the time. See, because the Bible talks about two different neighborhoods, and it talks about it from the beginning. 
Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. I'm going to tell you what neighborhood you're living in. I can tell you today. And the Lord planted a garden in Eden. In the east, there he put man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord made to spring up every tree that was pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Those are the neighborhoods you're living in. You're either living in the tree of life, which is Jesus Christ, by the way. Did you ever notice that the Bible talks about him being planted up like a seed and springing forth as a tree in Isaiah? Have you ever noticed that he was hung on a tree for everyone to see at Calvary? Jesus is the tree of life. See, we all think that the tree of knowledge and good and evil is just knowing what's right and wrong. The tree of knowledge of good and evil really represents you and I thinking what we know best is right or wrong. See, some of you, you're living in the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and so you think you deserve punishment because that's what's wise in your mind. You think you're never going to get healing because that's what's wise in your mind. You think you can never forgive that person because that's what's wise in your mind. Some of you all need to put some new filters in your life on Zillow, and you need to move to the new tree. You need to move to life. You need to move to Jesus. And see, there's really six ways that you and I are going to do this. And I uh, write it down because I don't want you to miss this. But can I just say one thing to all of us right now that I got to preach about against our culture right now? You don't have to be a victim. It is not a badge of honor or courage to be a victim. Do you know what victimization does to you? Victimization makes you a spectator. Do you know what victims aren't? They're owners. They aren't owners. You don't need to be a victim and a spectator. You need to be an owner and a participator. Even the things that happen to you doesn't mean you go, I did this to myself. I'm not saying that. But you need to stop putting your healing in other people's hands. You cannot fix what you don't own. And that doesn't mean you take the responsibility of that event. Never, ever hear me say that. You are not responsible for some of the things that happen to you, but you are responsible for the healing that needs to take place by the power of God who you walk with. The Holy Spirit's called the helper, not the doer. He's there to help you find freedom, but you got to participate in this thing. you got to start moving your mind and your thoughts to a new thing. you got to have your mind transformed. you got to move from the tree of death to the tree of life. Don't be a victim any longer. Why would you put your healing in someone else's hands? What you're going to do is say, God, i got a mess right here, and you're going to pick it up and say, I'm bringing it to you. I know you could do a lot with this. I'm not just leaving it here and going, oh, God, just do something to me. Just do something to me, God. Just do something to me. God, just speak to me in a worship service. God, just speak to me through praise. God, just give me a really good experience. You're not going to do this anymore because guess what this isn't doing? Getting you anywhere. Some of you want God to happen to you when God wants to do something in you and through you. This is broken Christianity. Yes, God saves you. Yes, God does the work to bring you back to life. But he also wants you to participate and be active in the healing of what's going on. 
Some of us are stuck in this room because we've been just sitting there spectating. And the world is telling you, victim, stay right here. Stay right there. Tell everyone about how bad it is. Tell everyone how, how hurt you are. Tell everyone how it's not going to get better. Tell everyone and be excused in that process and stay right there. And we're going to build everything we can around you to keep you right there. You ever realize that? We have the world, as the world have built things around you to keep you right here in your mess. When God says, nope. Because if Jesus was to play the victim mentality, he'd still be sitting in the ground saying, look what they did to me. I showed up here. Look what they did to me. Look how they hurt me, God. Look at the things they said to me. Look at the crown that they put on my head. Look at the sign that they mocked me with. Look at all of these things. God, don't you see me? Jesus said, I don't got time for this. I'm moving. I am the tree of life. I'm not sitting in a grave. I'm moving on. You don't even need to roll the stone away for me to walk out. That's how gone he was. He was gone. They rolled the stone. He gone. He was like, hey, guys. Oh, thanks for opening the door. See ya. They were like, uh-oh, something happened. He's like, I'm gone. Because he doesn't have time for you to sit in your mess anymore. Because that's not where he made you to be. That's not where he called you to be. So how are we going to do this? The very first thing we're going to do, just like Paul did, we're going to clarify the feeling. Write it down. Clarify the feeling. Clarify the feeling. We're going to bring clarity to what it is. What am I actually feeling? And you're just going to say it. I feel alone. I feel hurt. I feel all of these things. And then when you know what you feel, and, and you may say, like, I'm confused, God. I'm confused. I don't even know. You're going to have a conversation with God. Number two, have a talk with God. Pray about it. Begin to talk to God. So what did Paul do? He clarified the feeling. He talked to God about it. He reframed the problem. And so once we clarify the feeling and we have a talk with God, we're going to ask God some questions. Number three, ask and analyze. Ask God questions and analyze the truth. Is what I'm feeling true? No. Then you speak the truth to the lie. If what you're feeling is true, God, help me reframe it. That's what Paul does in Philippians. He reframes it. Then once we know where we're going, if it's a lie or the truth, and we, we're starting to reframe it, we're going to navigate how to apply the truth to our life. This is where a lot of us get stuck. We, we kind of hear truth, but we don't know how to like bring it into the situation. So we're going to navigate how to bring the truth into our life. And then once we, we figured out the way to get there, we're going to go to the truth. Number five, we're going to go to the truth. And let me just tell you something. When you go to the truth, you'll experience the last thing. Number six, you'll experience freedom. You'll experience freedom. And so what are we going to do? We're going to clarify the feeling. We're going to have a talk with God. We're going to ask and we're going to analyze. We're going to navigate how to apply the truth. Then once we know how to do that, we're going to go. And when, then when, when we go, we're going to experience freedom. And so maybe some of you haven't caught on to this. You got a penny today, right? I don't need a penny for your thoughts. It's a different analogy. Clarify, have, ask, navigate, go, experience. When we do these things, God is going to change us. 
And the reason you got a penny today is because we wanted to give you some change. And so what I want you to do is put a penny in your pocket or a penny in your Bible. I want you to put some change in your life. Because you know what the great thing that the enemy does? He's great at stealing things from you. But I want you to, every time you begin to feel these things, I want you to put your hand in your pocket and find that penny and remember that God wants you to change, that God wants to change you. And so everything that we're going to do, every way we're going to walk through this, everything that we're going to experience, if you do these six things, you will experience change, not because of how great you are, but because of what God's going to do in the process. You're going to change. Does anyone in here want some change? See, because what change represents is moving to the new neighborhood. And Zillow is the filters to find it. Our thoughts are the way that we're going to get there. So how does this like actually work as we begin to end? See, because sometimes we leave you guys with like these great, like, here's a penny, and you're like, oh, I get it, right? And you have this epiphany. But I don't want to leave you here without some like real practicality. So how does this go? Well, here's a scenario for you. This might be the lie that you're believing. God doesn't love me because I've done too much. What do you need to do with that? Well, let's ask and analyze. Lord, this is how I feel. I'm going to ask. I'm going to analyze. Is that true? No. So what do I do when things aren't true? I tell it the truth. God loves me more than I know, and nothing can separate me from him. Romans 8, 38. God, I don't feel like you love me, and I've done too much. Oh, thank God he wrote the word, and he can speak the truth to the lie. And what you're going to say is, no, nothing can separate me from your love. There's nothing too big for what you can do. God, please help my heart come in alignment to your truth. But let's say there's a lie that you're believing. Let's say you really messed up, and it's true. You really messed up. Here's what you're going to hear in the negative thought. I'll never do anything right. I will never do anything that is good. I need to stop trying to protect myself and others. Here's the truth. You might have really messed up. So instead of pushing that down and ignoring that and causing brain damage, here's what you're going to do. I need to reframe it. I really messed up, but you're the God who uses mess-ups. I really messed up, but all fall short of the glory of God, and that's why you sent Jesus for me. Where I mess up, you forgive. I believe in the God of grace and second chances. God uses mistakes to grow and shape me, and I will be better because of what God will do with this. I have to keep going. You didn't deny that you messed up. You reframed it according to the word of God. Or maybe this. This is the last one. As the band comes up and gets ready to end the night. Some of you have been living with this for a really long time. I'm hurt. That's a thought. I'm hurting. I'm hurt. I was hurt a long time ago. This is what the lie is in that. I will always be hurt. There will never be healing. This has gone too deep and too far. I'll always be this way. Here's how we reframe that. You are hurt, and God knows you're hurting. 
God is the great healer. God has used hurt to make miracles. I have a better story now because I have Jesus. I believe in the God who saves. In what the enemy meant to kill me, God is making into good. I will be healed. Here's the last part. I'm going to trust the process. Do you see how we shift, how we begin to move, and how you can move from the tree of knowledge of good and evil to the tree of life? Because all of us need a little bit of change. Guys, I'm not telling you this as a person who never struggled with this. I woke up this week. If you guys think that just because you hear from God what you're supposed to do, that the rest of the journey's easy, Moses talked to a burning bush, but he definitely had to go through 10 plagues. When we felt like God was calling us to Sunday morning, by the way, which last week this room was basically this full, there was part of me that began to say, I'm not the right guy. This, is, this isn't going to happen. We're going to kill the church. We're going to kill our volunteers. There won't be people to come in. What if giving goes down? And literally this week, as I was doing my quiet time, this was the anxiety that I was experiencing in my heart. Like literally, this is what was happening to me. And I began to pray. This isn't what you said. You're, you said you're going to build your church, so I don't need to worry about it. You said that this is where we're supposed to go, so I'm going to trust. I might be scared, but you lead me through the darkness. I might be overwhelmed, but in my weakness, you're shown strong. This might not happen the way that I thought it would. It's going exactly according to your plan. And then as I did that, on my phone, YouVersion Bible app alerts me every day of the verse of the day. And Exodus popped up, and the verse said, and it's all I needed, be still and know that I am God. And I said, I'm running a rat race and I'm scared. Okay. I just need to be your child. I just need to say yes. You're going to do it. Church, it starts here, but it's lived out there. And so in this moment, as we begin to praise, which is a weapon of our war to fight the battle because we're going to agree with who God is, would you just in this moment ask God, what is the lie that I'm believing? And can I just tell you, just start with one. We don't need to fix everything. Let's just fix one thing. You don't need to get your whole life in order. Let's just get healing in one area. And it's a domino effect. But what is it that you're believing? It may be true. You may hurt. Reframe the problem. Let's find freedom. Let's walk in it. And so I'll be down here to pray with you. But can I just tell you that the only way to find life and freedom is to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's it. He's the healer. He's the one who does the work. It's his gospel. It's by his stripes that we are healed. And so if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I know we have you close your eyes and bow your heads. I need to look you right in the eye. You need Jesus. There's nothing else in there. All the self-help, all the pop psychology, it's, it might put a Band-Aid on it. 
it might make it more bearable. Jesus doesn't want it to be bearable. He wants to heal it. And you need Jesus. It's the truth. I can do this on my own. You can do nothing without me.